It's Friday, February 14th. Welcome to Skim This. We're breaking down the most complex stories of the day and giving you the context on why they matter. It's Valentine's Day, and some retailers are trying to keep the holiday spirit alive amid a growing coronavirus outbreak. Then the U.S. Senate says it wants to rein in President Trump's power when it comes to Iran. Although tensions between the two powers remain high, a surprising middleman is trying to help the two work their issues out. And finally, why swiping right could also mean swiping your credit card. We're here to make your evening smarter. Let's skim this. Today's episode is brought to you by H&R Block, your one-stop tax shop. It's Valentine's Day. But if you're in China or the more than two dozen countries affected by coronavirus, the holiday might look a lot different this year. Take flower bouquets. The spread of the virus has hit retailers really hard, with cities in China on lockdown and people staying home to avoid catching the disease. For those who still want to celebrate Valentine's Day, one florist in Beijing is lending a hand by adding a bottle of hand sanitizer to each bunch of flowers that she sends out. Another florist in the Philippines is taking it one step further. She's selling what she calls anti-NCOV, or anti-coronavirus bouquets. They still have flowers, but with a few extra items like hand sanitizer, protective masks, gloves, and soap. So as the holidays come and go, coronavirus doesn't appear to be going away anytime soon. One group that has felt the outbreak especially hard is healthcare workers in China. As in, the people on the front lines helping those who are sick. A lot of them say that not having enough of the medical supplies they need makes it harder for them to do their jobs. On top of that, over 1,700 healthcare workers in China have been infected. 90% of those cases come from Hubei province. That's home to Wuhan, where the outbreak started. Luckily, the number of infected healthcare workers seemed to peak in January. The World Health Organization says that since then, the numbers have been dropping. That said, they're still trying to figure out how so many health workers were infected in the first place. Meanwhile, in labs around the world, scientists are partnering up and racing to find a vaccine. Which can be a long process. It starts when scientists examine the genetic sequence of the virus, which China made public last month. Scientists then research that sequence to try to come up with a vaccine. You might be familiar with some of the companies working on this, like Johnson & Johnson and GlaxoSmithKline. Normally, creating a new vaccine like this can take over a decade. But advanced technology can cut that time by a lot. And one lab in San Diego already says we might have one for coronavirus. But getting it to the people who need it is a different story. The vaccine still has to go through a thorough testing phase. But it's reportedly already being tested on mice and guinea pigs, and a clinical trial could happen by the summer. Which means when it comes to stopping the spread of coronavirus, there's still a lot more work that needs to be done. Yesterday, Dr. Robert Redfield, the director for the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, told CNN's Dr. Sanjay Gupta that the world might be dealing with coronavirus beyond this year. I think uh, this virus is probably with us beyond this season or beyond this year. And I think eventually the virus will find a foothold and we will get community-based transmission. And uh, you can start to think of it in a sense like uh, seasonal flu. And the only difference is we don't understand this virus. Coming up, who's playing referee amid the ongoing tensions between the U.S. and Iran after the break? Too busy to do your taxes? We get it. So does H&R Block. 
That's why they let you drop them off. Just leave your tax documents, and a tax pro will prepare them. It's like daycare for your taxes. They're open early and late, and their tax experts are trained to get you every deduction and credit you deserve, so you can leave them to get it done worry-free. To learn more, go to hrblock.com skim. That's hrblock.com S-K-I-M-M. It's better with Block. The A's are 55. The nays are 45. The joint resolution, as amended, is passed. Yesterday, the Republican-controlled Senate did something it rarely does. It went against President Trump and voted to rein in his power to conduct military strikes against Iran. Remember, last month, Trump ordered a drone strike to kill a top Iranian general, Qasem Soleimani. Iranians weren't happy about it. There were threats of retaliation, and for a while, it looked like the U.S. and Iran were on the brink of war, without Congress's approval. Article 1 of the Constitution says that only Congress has the power to declare war, but the president can order military strikes. So the Senate vote yesterday was a way for lawmakers to say to the president, don't do anything else before you talk to us. And eight Republican senators sided with the Democrats during the vote. Some people are seeing that as a strong rebuke of the president. But two Republican senators who voted against him, Utah's Mike Lee and Maine's Susan Collins, said this isn't about the president. This really is about the proper allocation of power between the three branches of government. Over the past decade, regrettably, Congress has too often abdicated its constitutional responsibility on authorizing the sustained use of military force. This isn't the first time Republicans have tried to rein in the president's power. Last year, seven Republican senators voted to stop Trump from helping Saudi Arabia's military campaign in Yemen. But those seven Republican senators weren't enough to override a potential veto. And this week's resolution about Iran doesn't have enough votes to override his veto either. So yesterday's outcome, while a slap on the wrist, is mostly just that. It's been a minute since the drama between Iran and the U.S. was constantly making headlines. But as this week's Senate vote reminds us, the relationship status between the U.S. and Iran is still complicated. Like all celebrity relationships, there's one story playing out in the media, following two nations teetering on the brink of war. But now we're learning there's another story going on behind closed doors. On paper, Iran and the U.S. have had no diplomatic relations since 1979. But for the past few weeks, there has been some contact through a mutual friend. That friend is Switzerland. The country that brought us Swiss chocolates for Valentine's Day has actually been trying to play matchmaker between the U.S. and Iran for four decades. Now, it's apparently playing the middleman and delivering messages from one country to the other concerning two key issues. First, the U.S. wants info on at least four Americans who are still imprisoned or missing in Iran. Those prisoners include a Navy vet, an environmental activist, a businessman, and a former FBI agent. The FBI guy has been there since 2007. Iran released one grad student turned prisoner back in December, sending him first to Switzerland before he headed home to America. And the U.S. wants to get the others back ASAP. Switzerland's helping to negotiate their release. But there's more progress when it comes to the other issue, getting humanitarian aid to Iran. The U.S. has put a lot of sanctions on Iran's government, which is squeezing them economically. But the Trump administration says 
it doesn't have an issue with the people of Iran. And so the government's carved out exemptions to those sanctions so other countries can send things like food and medicine to help the people of Iran out. Two weeks ago, the U.S. actually worked with Switzerland to deliver shipments of cancer and transplant drugs to Iran. The U.S. Special Representative for Iran, Brian Hook, said this could be a good thing for business, too. We want companies to take advantage of the exemptions in our sanctions regime. So, yeah, tensions between the U.S. and Iran are still high. And lawmakers watching those tensions unfold are still trying to rein the president in. But there's also a long game happening here in which the U.S. and Iran are, in a way, still in touch, with a little help from the Swiss. Before we go today, we've got a word of warning for all our lovebirds out there. Valentine's Day can be a time to celebrate love with our family, friends, and special someones. But this week, the federal government is warning Americans, be careful who you fall for. According to a report this week from the Federal Trade Commission, 2019 saw a 40% jump in romance scams. That's when someone creates a fake dating app or social media account of your dream guy or gal and tells you they love ya, but can never meet IRL. They might claim to be deployed in the military or a doctor overseas. And eventually, they start to ask for gift cards or money transfers. You know, normal relationship stuff. But the scams seem to be working. Last year alone, romance victims sent over $200 million to these fake lover accounts. So this Valentine's Day, we're only toasting the kind of love that doesn't break your heart or bank account. And that's all for Skim This. Thanks again for listening and be sure to hit subscribe and rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. We're taking off our President's Day weekend, but we'll be back on Tuesday. And so will our free newsletter, The Daily Skim, which you can sign up for right on our website at theskim.com. It's everything you need to know to start your day right in your inbox. 